millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Anna, and I'm here with my two friends, Ant and Will. Hello. Hello. Uh, this week, we have returned from the BCE times, and we're back to comparative <laughs> modernity with the year 1818. Um, and as is our tradition, I'd like each of us to give a three-word preview of what we'll be discussing today. Ant? My three words are, you should have listened. <laughs> should, should have? Should have. Should have. Word. Yeah, okay. Posty, yeah, I'll yeah. absolutely allow it. <laughs> I also have to say, I really appreciate the creativity you're taking with your three words. Mm-hmm. I feel like every week we're pushing the boundaries a little well, more. Well, I was going to just um, have another three words, which were just the same word, which was ice, ice, ice. <laughs> or potentially ice, ice, baby. I was, yeah, I was going to say, would you consider ice, ice, baby? So now I've given you seven words yeah. and i apologize no actually i've only given you the six you can't five you can't get around the three word limit by simply saying the things that you would have considered <laughs> as an alternative <laughs> I, I i feel like the, the, we've invented the rules ourselves and we're just holding ourselves to the standard or are we saying that the random number generator has some sort of will and power over us uh, these are the rules we inherited as stewards of <laughs> stewards of the club traditions from this Grover is, Cleveland himself. This is true. I, I should just really just check myself before. Uh, my three words are resistance to genocide. <laughs> <laughs> are you pro or con? <laughs> I am pro resistance. <laughs> great. Uh, my three words are Hamilton, Burr, Washington. Can you spell burr? <laughs> B-U-R-R. Oh, so not cold. Oh. Yeah, not in the way you might suspect. But uh, I'm starting today, so we'll just get straight to that. I have seen this musical. Yes, so good. Yeah. I'll know everything about oh, it. Oh, I'm just going to sing it straight <laughs> through. That's my bit today. I'm excited. <laughs> um, great. Here we go. 1818. All right. So today I'm in South America, which uh, in 1818 is in the middle of a very long independence movement uh, happening kind of throughout Central and South America. And a little bit of background to set the scene is that in 1808, Napoleon deposes Ferdinand VII, the king of Spain, and installs his brother Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother, on the throne. This kicks off a ton of debate within Spain about the monarchy versus liberalism and what the people of Spain want for themselves. That debate soon spreads to the Spanish colonies overseas, uh, specifically in Central and South America, and it's basically the match that lights the powder keg. Soon there are independence movements breaking out all over the shop. So Joey Boney's in in charge. (laughs) Joey Boney's in charge. What was Napoleon's first name? the, The actual Napoleon. What? The, the actual Napoleon. Wasn't his name Napoleon? Bonaparte. Oh, yeah. that's it. Never mind. 
yes, it oh, yeah, wasn't no. Steve Napoleon. <laughs> I just, I just had an absolute brain fart there because I was like, oh yeah, Joe Bonaparte. What was Napoleon's first name? <laughs> oh god. Yes, good. So Joey Boney's in charge, and <laughs> Nappy Boney's doing his things uh, in Europe. Um, but it's important to note that even as this independence movement spread through Central and South America, a lot of the movements just had the goal of preserving autonomy from France. They weren't necessarily thinking about fully escaping the Spanish monarchy. Uh, so it wasn't like independence for independence's sake. Um, and some of the leaders of the movements in various places wanted to keep a monarchy in place. So it's that's just an interesting contextual bit to keep in your mind we're not immediately throwing off the yoke of the monarchy well good yeah i mean i mean and and you're right that most people that seek independence just do it for the sake of independence yeah to try something new yeah, they've got no actual other go. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah just give it a whirl <laughs> test drive what do you mean yoke <laughs> <laughs> 1k no l1e uh-huh yeah yeah but but i think what will is trying to say here is yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot that I had an extreme pro monarchist in there. Yeah, yeah. But this, there, this is. I'm talking about the Spanish monarchy, Will. which you are famously anti. Oh, it's terrible yoke. Yeah, horrendous. <laughs> Cast it off. Yeah. You know you're never going to be king, right? Just of anything. Just mm. putting that out there. Never say never. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't bet against him. Um, okay, so today I'm focusing on the Captaincy General of Chile, which was one of the smallest and poorest colonies in the empire. And I'm going to give you guys a whistle-stop tour of their independence movement, which is split into three parts, the Patria Vieja, the Reconquista, and the Patria Nueva. Uh, so the first one, the Patria Vieja, which means like the old homeland, uh, this is the first step is taken by Chileans in 1810 when they form the Government Assembly of the Kingdom of Chile, also known mm. as the First Junta. And I'm going to say Junta so many times today. <laughs> which is what, does, what does Junta mean? Junta, well, it's like a government by like a, a group of people. Okay. So like Juntos means together. So I think a Junta is like a, a government. Okay. That's why you hear it like a military Junta because the military takes over. Right, yeah, because you but in, kind of often hear it in sort of negative context. Yeah, exactly. So. But I think, a re I mean, it's not necessarily negative. And in this case, it's a very, you'll see, it's a very sort of democratic way. So uh, this first junta is established as a way to govern themselves while Ferdinand VII is being held by Nappy Boney. Um, <laughs> but from the get-go, there's disagreement about who should be in charge. There are three factions, two different royalist factions, and then one relatively independent uh, faction. But in the beginning, at least, the, the ultimate aim was to restore the legitimate Spanish throne and take it away from Joey, Joey Boney. That we, Jimmy that, Bones. Jimmy Bones. Jimmy Bones. <laughs> From Jimmy Bones. Good old King Jimmy Bones. Because he was, he was, he used to be Napoleon Bonaparte, wasn't he? And then he just re reduced it to Napoleon for his second yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And then he, and <laughs> then he, uh, <laughs> the artist formerly known yeah, as right. Napoleon, yeah, 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 yeah. The jazz guitarist, and, and that, Jimmy and that, Bones. Right, exactly. And now he's Joe Bones. Yeah, now he's, <laughs> jo now he's Joe Bones, and Napoleon is now represented just by a hat. Right, That's exactly. The symbol of him. Um, so ultimately, the first junta ends. There's a national congress. There's a second junta. There's democracy, blah, blah, blah. But the most important thing is that the cracks in the factions are starting to show, which means it's time to meet one of the main characters in today's story, Jose Miguel Carrera. Uh, he is a guy who is incredibly pro-Chile. He thinks Chile should be independent entirely. So he sees the second junta and everything that's come before it, and he basically thinks it's not sufficient. It's too deferential to Spain. He wants, boom, free state Chile. So he stages a coup and uh, takes power in 1811. He does a bunch of things once he's in power, including abolishing slavery. Yay. We love that. And uh, making the first Chilean flag. Oh. Not nearly as important, but also cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spain is pissed. They send the army and navy to come attack him, and he leaves his government post so that he can go be commander-in-chief of the patriotic forces. Uh, he has some successes, but then ultimately he has a few key losses, and he's relieved of his duty and control... Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And control of the army is given to the second main character of today's story. Oh, boy. Here we go. Bernardo O'Higgins. 
<laughs> no way. I swear this to God. cannot be true. I swear to God, his name is Bernardo. Some random O'Higgins. redheaded guy just pops up and saying, yeah, I like chili. <laughs> Now, this is just a little bit about him because I have to explain why that's his name. He has Basque, Spanish, and a third heritage. Can anyone guess? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's Irish. Wow. Um, So his family comes from a very prominent Irish family. The O'Higgins. The (laughs) O'Higginses. Oh, that's the link with them. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Who's... they had all of their possessions confiscated by Oliver Cromwell back in the day. Absolute classic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could just say that about any Irish family, yes, really. Because <laughs> they refused to like kowtow to the parliamentarians. So Cromwell took all their possessions away. And then a lot of them moved to Spain because they felt that they could make a better life for themselves kind of in that realm. Joey Bones had the doors wide open. <laughs> I did not know this. Yeah. Well, I won't talk too much about it because it is well off the 1818. Hmm. But uh, eventually, O'Higgins of today's story has made it to the colonies and he's he's becoming a very prominent force in in Chile. So Hmm. he is given control of the army um, and just quickly has risen through the ranks. Now, it's helpful to think about O'Higgins and Carrera as frenemies. Mm -hmm. And there's actually really strong parallels you think about Carrera as the Aaron Burr to O'Higgins's Hamilton. Oh, okay. gotcha. They kind of started out as teammates, and then there's some schisms that happen. And um, and that's... was it like really passive aggressive? Where it's like, oh, Higgins, oh, that's a wonderful cape. It's so brave that you're wearing that. Yeah, like, you know, most people couldn't. Yeah. Well, I think suffice it to say, I'm going to write a musical called O'Higgins <laughs> that's going to be as successful as Hamilton, if not more so. Um, <laughs> Bernardo O'Higgins. It's just, it's right there. Um, (laughs) You're going to need a few more lines. (laughs) No, it's just that for four hours. Um, That's right. It's (laughs) twice as long too. So back to the timeline. The the first phase ends in 1814 with the resounding defeat of the rebel forces uh, at the Battle of Rancagua, which is also known as the disaster of Rancagua because only 500 out of 5,000 men survive. Um, but despite the fact that O'Higgins is in charge of this, he is still <laughs> uh, like seen as a good person, a good leader. That doesn't sound like a very successful battle. No. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's why it's not called the, the glorious victory of <laughs> Rancagua. <laughs> okay. So uh, phase two is the Reconquista. The Spanish take back control. They kick off a campaign of incredibly fierce political persecution led by a man named Vicente San Bruno. But we don't talk about Bruno. Um, That's a joke for people who have seen a movie that neither of you two have seen. Nope, not seen it. (laughs) Not seen it. No idea what you're on about. Anyway, the Spanish exile the Chilean patriots to an island, but that only serves to rile them up. And all of a sudden, all the moderates who had been thinking like, eh, maybe the monarchy's okay, have converted to like 100% fierce patriots, mm. only independence will do. So a real classic backfire. Um, there's guerrilla warfare in the, in the mountains, in the Andes, and basically the rebels are gathering strength to come back against the Spanish. And now we meet our third main character, Jose de San Martin. And to extend the Hamilton metaphor, you can think about him as the George Washington. He is this incredibly well-respected figure across South and Central America. He's he's been involved in a lot of the the freedom movements, independence movements so far. He and O'Higgins immediately hit it off and start to kind of exclude Carrera, who's moving in his own direction, ultimately gets exiled, goes to Argentina and tries to kickstart their independence movement. um, And his Carrera resentment against O'Higgins is just festering this whole time. To what extent, I don't really understand any of the history around here at all. Like, so if you're if you're Chilean at the time, do you see yourself as a very distinct kind of thing to Argentinian people? Like, have that they've nationhood? Has that like emerged at this point? Um, based on, I don't think it's. I mean, I think it has emerged, but not in any sort of. Um, anti way like if you're chilean you don't hate the argentinians necessarily but you are separated by a pretty big mountain chain so i think there's no some of the later freedom fighters like bolivar and even san martin have this more of this idea about like a pan-american movement right but a lot of the countries are like hey we got to sort ourselves out first and then we'll think about that and was o'higgins saying we should wait for it (laughs) 
how many Hamilton puns are you going to make? <laughs> Will, have you seen Hamilton? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait for that song where Burr is classically yeah, re- I, reticent to do anything. I, got it. I thought it was really funny. Oh, really good. Re- good. Yeah. Very, very good joke. This is being left in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you may say that at the Battle of Chacabuco, San Martin and O'Higgins were in the room where it happens. <laughs> <laughs> And by that, I mean uh, that we're on the battlefield where it happens. Of Chacabuco. Chacabuco. Great, great sounding word. Yeah, it's gr- absolutely great word. Um, so that battle is in 1817, and San Martin and O'Higgins win a decisive victory against the Spanish. They re-enter Santiago as the conquering heroes. San Martin is proclaimed supreme director of, of Chile, but he declines the position because he wants to focus on liberating the rest of South America. And he gives the job to O'Higgins instead. So oh. Bernardo O'Higgins is the supreme director of Chile. And <laughs> he stays in that post until 1823. Hmm. Uh, and then just to kind of close this out here, phase three is the is Patria Nueva. So this is uh, Chile now has a government with its own authority, its own flag, coat of arms, currency. It's a de facto independent state. But it hasn't actually made an explicit declaration of independence um, instead, O'Higgins holds a plebiscite so the people can decide whether or not mm-hmm. they want to declare independence. Um, and that goes pretty well. And on February 12th, 1818, the first anniversary of the Battle of Chacabuco, uh, O'Higgins formally declares independence for Chile. Incredible. Nice. And it's great. The Spanish are just like, yay, fine. No. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, that's not what happens. Uh, they are miffed, I would say, uh. and they kick off a new round of fighting. There are more battles throughout 1818 led by San Martin, ultimately culminating in de- a decisive victory for the independence movement. Um, but just as an interesting postscript, here we have the return of Aaron Burr, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Jose Miguel Carrera. He's been exiled, but he gathered strength and he ultimately returned to Chile to attack O'Higgins. Uh, he was arrested by O'Higgins's supporters. There was a show trial, and then uh, Carrera was executed, quote, under questionable circumstances <laughs> in 1821. Uh, and and this kind of, it's not like it f- is the final, you know, nail in the coffin for O'Higgins, but enough people are like, mm, that wasn't handled well, that there that O'Higgins kind of reads the room and decides to to step down yeah. uh, from his post, and uh, it was described as quote typically dramatic. Hmm. Bearing his chest, he offered up his life should his <laughs> accusers demand it of him, and in return, the junta declared that they held nothing against O'Higgins <laughs> and saluted him. <laughs> what this is like? They were talking about him behind his back, and I then know, he's confronted and he's like, them, and yeah. he's like, and they're like, oh no no no, we think you're really cool. They're like, nah, it's fine. You just you know maybe don't be director anymore. And so, but he, it's also like a bit melodramatic isn't it he's basically coming in and saying take my life if you must and and they're basically responding no 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 like just can you can you just leave like this is not we're not going to kill you like just just leave please this is how i do all my business meetings (laughs) right we've been meaning to talk to you about that let me take my shirt off really unprofessional (laughs) (laughs) well you can take my life if you want (laughs) take my life or take my powerpoint slides Um, so anyway, he leaves, uh, he leaves Chile and he actually never returns as it turns out. He, he dies, um, when he's gathering up his, his strength to return to Chile, his like physical strength, he gets quite ill. Um, and, Hmm. uh, just, uh, two notes on his legacy in 1955, the football team O'Higgins FC was founded and I am now a huge supporter of O'Higgins FC. Um, and the Order of Bernardo O'Higgins is Chile's highest award for foreign citizens. That's incredible. That's yeah. interesting. And I expect to win it any day now. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was wondering, is there like a long legacy of O'Higginses in Chile? Is there a large like, Yeah, clan? so I think, like, I think there were a couple because he definitely had kids. Um, but Well, yeah, if he's burying his chest the whole time, he's going to get some <laughs> attention yeah, from the gonna ladies. He's going to get some attention. Um, but yeah, I don't think, you know, I like I don't think the president of Chile right now is named O'Higgins, but um, 
you know. <laughs> there's, there's, no way, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> there's no there's way, no way of, of knowing. If the president of Chile could please email in. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, are the president of Chile. Yeah. Holding up a copy of today's newspaper and your passport. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you want to hit up that Patreon while you're at it, president of Chile, I imagine you've got the scratch. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, also the awards for the Bernardo yeah. uh, Awards. Just swing them our way. Short so list, good. all three of us. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's just one bit of the independence movement happening in South America. I imagine we'll get to other bits at oh, other yeah. times. Oh, yeah. But that but was Chile. There's a lot of stuff happening the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> in history. Oh, as, we just, as we've just, discussed. In history, as we've discussed, yeah. <laughs> so today, from my part of 1818, I am going to be talking about the exploration and the attempted discovery of the Northwest Passage. Dun-dun-dun! Yes, dun-dun-dun indeed. So the Northwest Passage is the sea route between the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans through the Arctic Ocean, so in the north, uh, top of America, that kind of side of things. Like towards the Northwest? Towards the Northwest. (laughs) It is a passage through the Northwest. Wow, okay. I have wasted a lot of time. It's clear now. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a much sought after uh, route that was a shortcut between Europe and Asia for centuries beforehand because from the Arctic to the, you know, to the the, the southernmost tip of South America, it's just useless land with Mm. nothing to trade and nothing of merit there whatsoever. And so they wanted a shortcut (laughs) to Asia. Because as we know, the Americas has no natural riches. Yeah, California sucks. (laughs) Nothing there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, The name the Northwest Passage actually existed before confirmation of its existence existed oh <laughs> we're we, getting really metaphysical we here. are yeah so come again so, so the english declared or hoped to discover the northwest uh, passage okay, okay. without knowing that it was indeed there okay there was a lot of speculation about it did it exist didn't exist um there was even things like they argued that arctic seawater didn't freeze and mm. um, this was backed up by uh, james cook famous captain cook mm. uh he took a, some chippings off an iceberg uh, and it turned out to be fresh water mm. and he uh, sort of just probably created this myth um so all the- <laughs> hang on hang on by taking water off of a frozen iceberg he propagated the myth that arctic water doesn't freeze no, Arctic seawater doesn't freeze. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Just, so, just, and, and what's the implication? So, the implication of that is that deterring people, people oh, okay. like you know, like trying to drum up support and money for this was okay. could be seen as a fool errand and as yeah. a political ah, sort of okay. football a little bit. Nice. Um, and the expeditions up until this point uh, from the Norse all the way along uh, has been largely ended in icy disaster. Yeah. <laughs> until 1818, this time it would be different. Uh-huh. Because it would end in a different kind of disaster. It would end in a different kind of disaster, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in 1818, the hero of the story, Captain John Ross, charged by the Admiralty to take his naval ships Isabella and the Alexander, who was captained by Captain Edward Parry, and told to go forth and discover. Uh, so he made a beeline for Baffin Bay in Canada with the hope of uh, yeah, ferreting his way through the north and onto the Bering Strait that exists between Alaska and Russia. Famously, you can see right across it. Um, <laughs> yeah, from, from Sarah Palin's house. <laughs> yeah. uh, he had lots of stores and provisions with him, as you might expect. Seems sensible. It's very sensible. He had the, all the usuals, the liniments, the oils. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're back to the tincture. <laughs> the tinctures. Oh, he was stocked with it. But there is one exciting new addition of a type of provision or store. Can you guess what it is? In 1818. 1818 just invented well based on your use of the word ferreting mm. i'm gonna say they had actual ferrets on ice board. ferrets interesting ice, ice ferrets um is it some kind of explosive it is not it is tinned food Ooh. oh interesting so canned tinned food was just discovered uh-huh. and it was such a new invention they had not yet invented the can opener <laughs> that's is this true this is true so they had tinned canned food but they didn't have a can opener, so they just had to, like, mallet it open or something, or just jump at it and just let it just, you know, the spam just spurt all over the deck. Just a rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just a rock bashing it. Um, or maybe they just swallowed it whole and let the body digest the, the, <laughs> the tin. Tin. Uh, tin, yeah. tin is good for you. In, yeah, it's like slow release. large amounts. Yeah. <laughs> Soup. <laughs> so anyway, Ross gets to Baffin Bay 
and he starts probing a bit deeper into the Lancaster Sound. Uh, and then he spies some people on the shore running up and down the shore. And mm. he thinks, oh, look, they're sailors in distress. They must have been shipwrecked, one of these previous expeditions. And so he gets up closer and through his spyglass, he sees they're actually not sailors, but they are, uh, uh, you know, indigenous people that are on this yeah. land mm. that they didn't expect to find anywhere so classic. far north. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he makes to shore and he does the classic uh, European explorer thing. Um, and he put out gifts for them in order to parlay and what, what Did the gifts include a bunch of tinned food <laughs> cans they, that they couldn't open? They actually did. And they also included things like European clothes mm. because they saw what they're wearing. It's like, oh, that's that's not suitable clothing. It was the most suitable clothing in the climate. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they also proffered the very classic gift of a Greenland dog with strings of blue beads around its neck to signal that they come in peace. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, if someone gave me a Greenland dog with blue beads around its neck, I wouldn't necessarily think these peace. people come in peace. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd have to look it up in the guidebook because I always get confused about blue beads and right. green beads. Right, yes, and yes, which yes. ones are peace and which ones are total war. <laughs> and, you, and you can't wear some of these coloured beads in parts of LA. Where yeah, you can exactly. Another, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, just, you just don't want to mess with that. An alternating orange-red is impending nuclear strike, isn't it? And yeah. you have to then take <laughs> if, immediate action. If you see a Greenland dog with red and orange beads, get to a bunker. <laughs> Well, anyway, in this case, the blue beaded dogs, the tin can and the food were untouched hours later. Mm. Uh, and so they tried different things. They had so hang on, I could say, so I'm on a boat. Yep. My, I'm a Scottish admiral, whatever, captain, person. Yep. And I'm like sailing along and I'm like, oh, look, people, yep. indigenous people. Yep. Get I want the to dog. Go, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Bring the gift. Yeah, fetch the gifts. Fetch the and then gifts, yeah. and I get in my little boat and I yeah, row yeah. over and yeah. I put the, and I place down. And then you go back to a, behind a bush. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I'm trying to work yeah, out. Yeah, so yeah. like, so, so I take the dog and I put it down. I presumably tie it to a thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I put yeah, next yeah. to that dog a tin. Mm-hmm. And I put next to that, bo- <laughs> that was some the, clothes. Some clothes next to the tin. Yeah. And then the I go behind a bush and I wait. <laughs> yeah. And then, what, then what? Like that's, the whole plan is preposterous. So well, it turned out it was preposterous because it didn't come near this obvious trap. Um, <laughs> it looks so suspicious. <laughs> anyway, they did manage to lure them out when they started proffering things of greater value, for example, like knives and things like that. Because okay, okay. They came forward, they saw the knives, they're very excited because, you know, high quality knives. Um, and then they tried to parlay, but they didn't get much out of them. But it turns out that these were the last contacted North American indigenous people by Europeans. Oh. So they had never previously been contacted. Huh. And uh, just happened to stumble upon in this in this in this uh Is that right? Really? Apparently, yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah 1818. Or are we in 1818 right 1818. now? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite light if you think about exploration. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, all that was left was the Northwest Passage, which we're getting onto right now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, after moving on, he asked them, where's the Northwest Passage? They looked at him blankly. (laughs) (laughs) He concluded that the Lancaster Sound could form no part of any potential passage. And he was really worried about winter setting in in the north. As you can imagine, waters freeze over, etc. So he wanted to get out of there quickly. And he made the order to turn back. His officers were not happy about this, least of all uh, uh, the, his, his, his friend and compatriot, uh, Captain William Edward Perry of the other ship, because they had seen mountains that fell away into the distance on either side, which could potentially speak to a passage. Okay. Uh, he ignored them and he you know, gave the orders and, you know, them's the breaks, unfortunately. He turned around and went back to the UK. Hmm. 
when he got back to the UK, though, he was you know, vilified in, 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 in public forums and publicly challenged, humiliated by his crew. Articles were published calling him a coward, questioning his honour and his leadership, etc. Everyone switched the beads on their Greenland dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Purple, the colour of shame. And he, he, he lost the favour of the Admiralty and the Admiralty turned to Captain Parry and immediately set him out on another expedition, just change his socks, whatever, and out you go again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just carry on. Well, you're not going to go with the same socks, are you? Well, you got to change your socks, but you also have to refill your tinctures. Oh, yeah, yeah, If you don't, I mean, you're just setting yourself up. So if I'm the Lord of the Admiralty, I'm just saying to him, like, all right, big fella, change your socks, and out you go again. Yeah, pretty much. I think he probably had a break of, like, you know, three, four days. Yeah. A a long weekend in Plymouth or something. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that'll recharge the soul. Um, so uh, he went out and he was determined to find the passage and, and prove his, 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 his compatriot John, John wrong. And he strayed deeper into the sound and he's getting there and then winter hit. Oh. Totally unpredictable. Yeah. Totally unpredictable this time of year. <laughs> Him and his men were trapped in the ice for 10 months. Oof. Three months of which were in total darkness because they were so far north. Oh, God. Uh, But morale was kept high because they were kept busy with regular exercise, plays put on by the officers. Yes. And a newspaper. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Yes. What parallels. Absolute parallels to our our, our Antarctic expedition. Yeah, 1902, if you want to go listen to it. Yeah. Uh, things were going great until scurvy set in. Uh, uh, more yeah. parallels. <laughs> um, as a spring thaw was hitting, scurvy set in because they'd been away from their land, loved ones, Plymouth, and uh, like lemons for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, eventually started melting and they got back 10 months later and they only lost one man. So a, a strong testament to, 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 to the teamwork and, yeah. the, and the crew yeah. and stuff as well. And the power of tinned provisions that take ages to open. <laughs> That's what they spent most of the 10 months doing. Exactly. They should have spent more time foraging for those sweet, sweet Canadian limes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, the ice limes. Yeah, yeah. ice limes. Um, That's more valuable than the Northwest Passage. So as a result, when they did come back, though, John Ross, uh, his decision making was, was slightly vindicated. It was mm. like, you did the right thing, actually, because you came yeah. back with all your men. You didn't get your ship uh, stranded, etc. Yeah. And he actually came back into favour and he went on to command another expedition in 1829, and it's a very interesting one. We're not going to go into it because yep. it is way well the wrong way. Yeah. But it was, by all accounts, quite heroic. Um, he received a knighthood for it. Um, but it wasn't unsuccessful because <laughs> he got frozen in too. Ugh. And they had to disassemble the ship and move it across the thing. And well, it was a whole kind of thing. Anyway, but suffice to say, the Northwest Passage was not discovered at this time and it didn't actually get discovered until 1906 by a Norwegian mm. so the British Admiralty were not happy with that oh, um, dear, oh man dear. that sucks because I think it was a Norwegian who eventually it made it to the South Pole first yeah. too it was yeah. Amundsen yeah that's right well this guy was called Roels Amundsen oh it's the same guy mm-hmm. yeah the guy what a hero good, good knowledge and it was in a ship called a Gioa uh, maybe G-J-O-A uh, pronunciations, yep. please, in the back of postcards. <laughs> Guess what type of ship it was? A floating one. It was a sloop. A sloop. <laughs> it was not a sloop. It was a sloop. Our favorite type Our of ship. Our favorite type of ship. They, they're scattered throughout history. The sloop is built empires. Anyway, <laughs> that's my story of the attempted passage through the Northwest Passage that failed. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I just. Man. Is that just? Good is there a point? Good point. I, I'm at a loss for words. There's something wonderfully Eurocentric about the term Northwest Passage, isn't there? Yeah, like, sort of like everything yeah, about yeah. it is just fairly awful. Like yeah. those, 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 those indigenous people just called it the passage. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just like that. <laughs> the bit central of passage. Sea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The sea in front of where I live. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. And the, you know, Santa Claus called it the Southwest Passage. <laughs> he does. Call- well, Southeast, I suppose, depending <laughs> on where he's standing. Well, everything's south of where he's standing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's our first mention of Santa on the podcast. Uh, Greatest historical figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait until we get his year. Yeah, we, we well, it's going to be good when we finally get the year 1953. We'll be able to do Santa because it was the year he was born. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Wow. (laughs) 
I am going to cover the Seminole Wars. And the Seminole people are an American Indian people. And in particular, I'm going to cover the war that was going on around this particular time. So there was the first Seminole War, which took place a couple of years either side of 1818. And it's a topic that is really kind of fascinating, but it's also one that is fairly tragic uh, and also one that's for, especially for Americans, it's a live and politically charged topic today Mm -hmm. uh, because the Seminole people uh, very much still exist and um, we'll come to why and how they still exist uh, in a moment. So without rehearsing everything about US history in its entirety, suffice it to say that by 1818, the US had, you know, they'd well and truly established their independence and they'd begun to assert their control over continental America in a bunch of um, conflicts that followed the wars of independence. And this, this you know, it's a multi-decade process, clearly, that of the War of 1812, which to, to some degree was about establishing their rights to dominate what's now north northeast of the of modern modern US. Do correct me on any of this. I US mean, all of it's true. What I'm hearing is by 1818, America was already a global superpower. <laughs> and a quick question, Will. Yeah. As a very, uh, you know, British centric monarch, yeah. How do you feel about America's independence at this time? Pro? This feels like a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there are some. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm reluctant to be super pro-American, <laughs> knowing think, what you're about to discuss. So, 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 so we'll discuss this. So, so this is a really important point. Is that which is, and I find this. I genuinely find this quite interesting. Like the extent to which. As a, as a modern American, you can really feel any kind of affinity to the way America was behaving at this time, yeah. particularly yeah. within regard to stories like this. Because I think, and, and this is as, as a Brit growing up, you don't you don't learn about any of this stuff. Yeah. So like, have, so learning about it now is really interesting because there, there at this period of history for the Americans, there is abs- there's almost no difference between the way the U.S. is acting and and lots of other. Uh, continental land powers have acted throughout history. It's in my view, it's, it's just purely imperialist expansionist yeah. behaviour, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and and basically systematic, like literally systematic genocide of the peoples yeah. around you in order to expand. And that is basically what's going on during this decade and the following few decades in, in these sorts of areas, uh, particularly uh, around like their treatment of indigenous peoples. So, um, to, and and the Seminole people at this time were the people who were indigenous to the modern day area of uh, northern Florida south and southeast Georgia. And they were culturally related to the Muskegee Creek people, uh, which uh, who now who, who at the time lived in what is now Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia, and then yeah, parts of northern Florida as well. And the Seminole people emerged as a distinct, separate people with their own identity mm-hmm. from that wider Muskegee Creek people at some po- previous point in, in time. But they're very much culturally uh, related and related in terms of their traditions and things like that. And in fact, one of the reasons sources suggest why they emerged as, the, as a separate grouping was because some of the other tribes in the area had begun to adopt quite a few of the, the customs and traditions of the European settlers that they were increasingly okay. encountering. So there was a bit of a rejection of the European ways of life, which then informed their later desire to be independent and remain yeah, independent because yeah. they kind of rejected that actively. And one of the, and specifically, lots of the other American, Native American uh, tribes had been or a few of them had started to take in black slaves themselves and be slaveholding um, oh. and adopt this, as some of the wider slaveholding economic systems of the European settlers in the South. So again, like the Seminole people rejected that as well. Oh, wow. uh, oh, interesting. And which is one of the re- one, uh, one of the reasons uh, amongst a whole bunch of reasons why they started to emerge and have a tradition, a, a separate set of traditions. So, so here we are. So the U S is looking to assert its control of, uh, of, of, the whole continent eventually and the Seminole people are basically in the way uh, mm. like lots of people found themselves in the way and at this point enter Andrew Jackson <laughs> and Andrew, oh <laughs> Andrew Jackson uh, was later a US president uh, and, and he t- as a president certainly he was very populist uh, and frankly a bit of a demagogue and mm. he is someone who has been compared by some to people like uh, to, to Trump uh, perhaps and at this time, though, he was a U.S. general uh, in the U.S. military. Was his hat just said, make America? <laughs> <laughs> very good. That is, that is very good. That's pretty funny. And, <laughs> well, so, whilst there's, uh, so whilst there was a general expansion of settlers into Indian land, there were also a few specific flashpoints that triggered the conflict between the US military and the US government and, and the Seminole people. So the first was that the Seminole people had taken in some of those escaped slaves, hmm. which for the US government at the time, but bearing in mind this is 
what, 50 years before the Civil War, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's reasonable consensus around the rights of the Southern states to and Southern um, colon, uh, colonists to hold slaves. So the US government saw that as a big threat to their economic viability. And so they wanted okay. to go and, and, and um, stop them taking in the freed slaves. So it was actually criminal for them to take slaves in that were at that time seen to be technically property or something? Exactly, like yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So so you'd... Um, and for a whole bunch of reasons, appalling reasons, um, escaped slaves were treated with, in, the, in the harshest possible manner to deter others from rising up. And, and, and later on, I don't actually know the stats for here, but I think by the time of the Civil War, like, I think it was, Anna might know this, like the vast majority of the population of the South in America was slave rather than free people or or it's certainly like a very significant number yeah, of yeah, them yeah, yeah. and so yeah basically and it was the same in rome i think as well back in the day where like the people are just living in constant fear of a slave revolt the uh, the other reason was that the seminole people were reacting against all the european settlers coming in yeah. and they were doing that by raiding those settlers and and attacking them and they were doing some of those attacks in really a you know, appalling ways yeah, they were yeah. uh, that would t- you know, t- absolutely no prisoners taken women and children were being killed and so oh. the seminole people were not just passive victims yes, of what was going yeah, on yeah. you know they're active and in, and in some ways in some localized incidents not to excuse their general genocide against them by the americans at the time but they themselves were also doing in local ways quite appalling things yeah. did um, the american settlers attempt to leave any dogs with beads <laughs> <laughs> yeah had they just or not put the right food. beads on yeah there could be a whole misunderstanding there yeah. i don't know i don't think if anyone's investigated that particular route yeah this could be a really interesting area of original scholarship there's a phd in this I yeah think. yeah <laughs> it's a really interesting point of history and quite uncomfortable for a lot of people to think about that you know you know the great american power that is is still founded on some absolutely horrific and yeah imperialistic Oh, totally. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and earlier you said, you know, you didn't really learn. You didn't learn about this at all as, as British people growing up. Like, I mean, Americans learn about it, but not in the way that yes. we should. It's yeah, not yeah. like. And then the U.S. government perpetrated a genocide against an yeah. entire. Yeah, it, it is unambiguous. Yeah. It's unambiguously yeah. genocide. It's like, oh, there's a trail of tears because it was sad. They had to go to reservations. It's like, no, it was. Yeah. so much worse than that yeah. and, and so J- jackson here is ordered by the u.s government to take control of this situation because you've got the seminoles raiding lots of the colonists uh the the, the, the uh they're so- not colon they're Sorry. not colonists at this time yeah fair enough yeah yeah okay but they they sort of are in the sense that they're they're mo- they're they're, yeah. they're settling what is unsettled land yeah from they're European american settlers now not yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think that's reasonable yeah, yeah. so they're yeah that's fair enough yeah american settlers yeah, you lost that war. Yeah. <laughs> they spelled like night and color different, so you can tell the difference between them and European. Yeah, yeah. we cast off the yoke of your use. <laughs> <sighs> what happened was that with a lot of other Indian tribes was that eventually they would, they would, they would fiercely resist initially. Mm. And then when the US military began to deploy the full range of its capabilities, they yeah. would see that the writing was on the wall and they'd cut some kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah. But the Seminole people were people who chose not to cut a deal certainly at this particular period and eventually that uh, meant that this became the most costly war between the u.s government u.s forces and the american indians or any of any kind so it inflicted the most casualties on the on the u.s side overall and Oh, on the U.S. side. On the U.S. Oh, side, yeah. yeah okay. In terms of its costliness, yeah. Uh, because because they just wouldn't because they had such an independent mindset, yeah. they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't back off. I mean that tracks right with all of their yeah, the the reason they stayed independent and were rejecting the European yeah. encroachment. Yeah. And just think of the incredible bravery and you know diehard mentality when you're facing this modern military with all the you know accoutrements cannon muskets all that kind of things and your access to arms must be pretty limited i would assume yeah Um, i think so and still fighting for your 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 quality tinctures and there's so much to say about the seminal people um so i might have to return to it another time because much happened in in the following two or three decades but in a bit of a postscript just to uh take a look at it here what happened a little bit of what happened later so the u.s eventually then took possession of florida from spain who Mm. had a claim to it at this time yeah and so they took they took 
possession of it in 1821. Though, of course, the Spanish themselves are just like claiming this land where other people yeah, have yeah, already yeah. lived. And uh, and so after 1821, the Americans then really wanted to settle that land because they'd just purchased it. And so they then really started to make concerted efforts to um, attack and push out the, the the indigenous peoples. And then by in 1832, they then made a deal to transplant a whole uh, swathe of these people, both this, a bunch of, of people from the, the Seminole tribes who did cut a deal and uh, the adjacent peoples as well mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the culturally and geographically adjacent people. So about 60,000 in total and transplant them all up to Oklahoma to give them different lands to go and settle right. in, which were at the time lands that America had absolutely no priority against settling themselves. Yes, yeah, so they yeah. wanted to go and put them up there. And that's what then became known as the the Indian removal. And the journey then became known as the Trail of Tears, oh. as I mentioned earlier, because of the general tragedy and the hardship yeah. of everything they went through being displaced. So, And then having to end up in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Kansas, so Oklahoma is pretty much the only people I can dunk on. <laughs> I, I know nothing about Oklahoma. Give me one hot fact about Oklahoma. Dust. Dust. Okay, good. <laughs> Dust. Tornadoes? Yeah, tornadoes. That's the thing. That, yeah, that whip up the oh, dust. All that dust in your eye yeah, from the tornado as yeah. well. It's just, the thing is, it's just sort of flat nothingness. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fracking. Fracking? It's where all the fracking happens. Okay. <laughs> Get, extract all that dust. Yeah. The, 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 the deep yeah. wells of dust. Shale oil dust. Yeah. It's really interesting to be on the outside of someone from Kansas dunking on Oklahoma yeah. and seeing what gets picked up on. I mean, legitimately, it's, it's the only, like, I can sort of dunk on Nebraska. But what, like... what would the UK equivalent of Oklahoma be? Ooh, interesting. Is there one? Like something outside of Peterborough. Okay. Notably dusty. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of the flattest part of the UK. Like, uh, okay. like you know, n- like Norfolk, Suffolk, Lincolnshire, just sort of, okay. there's not, it's not interesting. Sorry to any of our listeners in that part of the country. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah. Right, well, if you think you have an equivalent of uh, Oklahoma uh, in your country of uh, <laughs> Yes, again, to the president of Chile, if you would like to opine on <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma. What's the Oklahoma of Chile? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I would like to encourage one word emails in, which are just a single place in the United Kingdom. And, and we will interpret those one word emails as being the equivalent of Oklahoma. So this, so what was going on here absolutely amounts to what you, you, these days you'd call ethnic cleansing. And under the genocide, and under international law now it's absolutely genocide and so there's no doubt about that whatsoever but to finish on a happier note there were many seminal people who didn't give in and didn't allow themselves to be displaced and uh, who kept up the uh, their independence and went to live in the Everglades and, and continued to fight back occasionally and the descendants from those people still live in Florida in Indian reserves oh. today after finally being recognised in the 1950s and that most people consider those descendants and those people living in Florida to be the last remnants of American Indians who have never made any kind of deal with wow. the US government or oh, surrendered in any way whatsoever. That's awesome. Um, and and wow. they still live in their reserves today and are a, a, a proud and independent people with this rich heritage they've they've um, maintained for, for these hundreds of years. So there you are, the Seminole people, pretty cool, pretty fascinating, slightly fascinating. tragic, but Very also tragic, yeah. some things in there are pretty inspiring. Yeah, great. I mean... God, American history. We we really haven't covered it so no. much because no. we, we haven't, it hasn't come up in the random That's number generator. That's because an extremely but... young country. Yeah, I, well, I know, I know. <laughs> Most it's of history has for... happened without America. <laughs> it's existed for 14 minutes. The concept of a dusty Oklahoma was you know, <laughs> not even fermented in someone's mind. <laughs> the Egyptians couldn't conceive of the dustiness. <laughs> they, they, in fact, they rebelled against the flatness with their pyramids. <laughs> well, there's, there's been dust in Oklahoma since the dawn of time, surely. We will never know. We'll right. never, we know. never know. Well, actually, for a while, I mean, it was covered. There was a great inland ocean. That's why you can get um, underwater oh. dinosaur fossils in places like Kansas underwater and Oklahoma. Underwater dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, which were called, I don't know, Mosasaur or whatever. Mosasaur. Yeah, that's. I'm not making that up. Mosas- Mosasaur is Mo- it? Mosasaurus. I think that was Mosasaurus? a big underwater dino sw- swimming boy. Right, well, that's been this uh, year. Um, thank you very much for listening. Before we go too deep into the paleontology. <laughs> yeah, because that is, I think we can all safely agree, well outside the realm of this podcast. Millions of years. I'm to be so fair. angry with you right now for mentioning dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and the RNG will probably curse us for this. I know. I'm changing the beads on my dog right now. <laughs> How dare you? I, I will put purple beads on my dog. I am not afraid of you. <laughs> Oh my god.
All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. That's everything you'd ever need to know about 1818. Uh, As always, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, feel free to get in touch with us. Instagram, Twitter, the website, the Patreon. There are a million ways. Yeah. Tell your friends as well. Tell your friends. And and also, if you could subscribe and, and rate, um, I'll be your friend. Wow. Good good call to action there. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's, you guys have no idea how valuable his friendship is. He, no, just, he often takes his shirt off. I, re- <laughs> I just really want some other friends that aren't the two of you. Yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> Can we talk about anything other than history? <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, I've got my fingers crossed for the president of Chile. <laughs> Speaking of history, it's uh, time to choose our next year. Will, as always, you are the, you know... You were the holder, the heralder of the RNG. Yeah. Can you please the steward. Up? The steward, yeah, of the, the random protector. number generator. <laughs> the guardian. It is a heavy burden. <laughs> <laughs> it is one you bear nobly, sir. People have asked, actually, we have had a few emails in about the heaviness of the burden. <laughs> Would you say it's a yoke? <laughs> it's certainly not a yoke. But in answer to these questions that we've been getting in, it does weigh 26 kilograms. <laughs> That is how heavy. That is how heavy the, the fact that you've got to keep it on a chain around your neck is admirable. Yeah. and that's foolish. the tough bit. Yep, that's yeah, that's the tough bit. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> especially when you leave the trolley at home. <laughs> I am firing up the random number generator and feeding I can, it. I can see it vibrating against your chest. <laughs> you get its fuel of tinned goods. <laughs> and the year is. 261 CE. 261. I'm not going to enjoy this one. I think. That's going to be grim. Early. <laughs> Fingers is, crossed for Rome. Is Rome still around? Rome's around. Okay. Not, yeah. pe- not peak Rome. Not peak Rome. Yeah, Most it's peak. past its best. Rome's Rome. around, but like Egypt's done. Yeah. The Middle East is sort of there. It's, it's like o- post post Sorkin West Wing Rome. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is Oklahoma a thing? Is it dusty? Where, how's the dust levels? Oklahoma is somewhere between underwater dinosaurs and copious dust. <laughs> sorry, underwater. We'll never discuss these things again. <laughs> All right, I'm dust. so sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh no, the, the random number generator. <laughs> the trolley's going to knock you over. <laughs> it's glaring at me. <laughs> cool. Until next time. Toot toot. Bye. Did you just say toot toot? (laughs) I don't know what that was. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.